If we have hope in this life alone, Paul said we'd be all of all men most miserable. Hallelujah. More to come. More to come. You may be seated this evening. Hallelujah. I appreciated Sister Meg's message this morning about the Good Shepherd. Amen. I was reflecting upon that, and I think perhaps my favorite part of that is when he finds that lost lamb that he, the Bible says he puts it up on his shoulders. And there's just something close and intimate about that where the, the good shepherd can hear the heartbeat, that scared, rapid heartbeat of that lost lamb. And he can speak soothingly to it, and the lamb can hear it. Anyway, I thank you, Sister Meg, for that, uh, that word this morning. Amen. I, uh, I stand before you tonight really worn out. <laughs> I'm weary in body and mind. We got, got home to find out that our air conditioner wasn't working. The AC is not working. And so Taylor was getting sick from the heat this afternoon. And my wife is hopefully the guy's there now trying to fix it or something. I haven't got a text, but hopefully we don't have to go through another sweltering night. And... Um, I don't know if you saw, Zachary went through about half a box of Kleenex this morning in the pew. And uh, uh -huh, thank you, one, one person, something. Um, <laughs> he's, he's been fighting us, something, something off that's been getting worse and worse. And I, I, I say all that not to go on and on and about, oh, how bad things are. No, I say that to say my spirit is full. God is great. He's done great things. He just goes above and beyond. Hallelujah. He's still on the throne. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Truly, we are debtors. Amen. Amen. Let's read uh, a single scripture tonight before reading the, the larger passage. We're going to pray. Acts chapter 28 and verse 5, rather short scripture, that simply says that he, Paul, Paul shook off the beast into the fire, and felt no harm. Everybody, go like this. He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. I'm not sure just why I'm sharing this particular message with you this evening, though I did indeed feel confirmation in my spirit that this is what I was to share. I just have to believe that Someone here tonight or somebody watching online needs to hear what the Spirit says this evening. So as we, we pray, I'd like to title this, Four Factors of Being Bitten. Four Factors of Being Bitten. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are here with us tonight, Lord. God, that is not by our might or our power, God, for truly my might and my power fail me. God, but by your spirit, I pray, God, that you anoint the ears of your church tonight, Lord. For he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to share your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. Four factors of being bitten. I'd have you say that to your neighbor, but I wouldn't want you to spit on him. 
four factors of being bitten. A little bit of background from Acts chapter 27 uh, before we read a longer passage in Acts chapter 28 from which we took this verse. The background in Acts 27 is that Paul had appealed to Caesar. He'd been on trial and he'd been in jail and, he, he'd been, and so things were just dragging on and on. And finally he said, I appealed to Caesar and because he was a Roman citizen, he had that right. And so he was put on a, a ship, a transport ship, and they headed off to Rome. And during that voyage, they were blown off course by an incredible typhoon that lasted for days. It's almost like it followed them around the Mediterranean, in fact. And um, after two weeks of fighting the storm, this ship was finally wrecked on an island's rocky coast, and they had to abandon ship. And so we're going to pick up the story here in Acts chapter 28, beginning to read at verse 1. It says, And when they were escaped, they knew that the island was called Melita. It was present-day Malta. Malta. Verse 2 says that the barbarous people, now when it says barbarous, it doesn't mean that, that they were wielding axes and they had loincloths or something like that. It simply meant that they did not speak Greek. All right? That's what it means. The barbarous people showed us no little kindness. They showed us a lot of kindness. For they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians, the saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance or justice suffereth not to live. In our opening scripture, Paul shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and so no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. So laying this whole backdrop and the, the context from which we're going to speak tonight, like to address four factors about being bitten, four factors of being bitten. Now, picture, if you, you would, with me, Paul, that here he is, dove into the sea for his life. He had told them that nobody was going to be lost, but that because uh, they wanted to kill the prisoners, and Paul said, no, no, don't do that. Everybody's going to be saved. So Paul throws himself, and everybody's launches himself, and he drags himself up onto the beach, right? 
just fighting each I don't know if you've ever fought the surf in there, but it's like the worst part to get past that. And so he's out of breath. He's tired. He's exhausted, right? He's just cold and wet. The storm's still going on, and it's still raining. It's like salt water stinging his eyes, right? And finally, because they've, they've been soaked to the skin for two weeks, and he's tired and hungry. And what is it that Paul does? He goes to work. Here he is. He's starting to, to gather, gather wood and, and, and build, build up the fire. Even, over the, even in the most taxing of circumstances, he's cold and he's wet and he's bedraggled and he's exhausted. And yet here he is lending a hand, helping others. He's doing good even in the worst of situations. And so if we understand this, he's doing good. Like everything had come against him. He'd finally survived and he's trying to help and he gets bitten. And that's the first of the four factors is that you will be bitten. You will be bitten. We, we have these, these uh, services, our servantship services, we call them on Sunday evenings, and we speak primarily to our leaders and developing leadership. And if you're going to serve in any sort of leadership capacity, it's only a matter of time before you will be bitten. Never because you want it. Most often when you least expect it, you just barely caught your breath. Maybe you've let down your guard a little bit. Or it seems like the, the worst seems to have, have passed and, and that you're in a safe place now and you get bit. Some years ago I spoke a message entitled Spiritual Reprisals. And I took it from a documentary about uh, crocodiles and alligators and how that uh, when they capture the, these, these beasts, they have to be careful not only for the huge mouth full of teeth, but when you think that you're safe for whatever, that's when the tail will come around and knock your feet out from under you. You think you're safe, but all of a sudden the tail whips around and knocks you down, and then they've got you. And it's similar. You think that, okay, we finally, the worst is over. Finally, I can catch my breath. and get, ah, ow! You get bitten. Because Satan targets hands that are at work in the kingdom. Satan targets hands that are at work in the kingdom. And you say, well, Brother Fulbert, I've never had that problem. Satan's not been ever bothering me. He's not, I've never been bitten by him. Well, maybe he could draw your own conclusions there. Maybe you need to roll up your sleeves and get working. Satan is not threatened by people who are not advancing the kingdom. And sometimes, sometimes we're bitten by good people who know not of what spirit they are. And sometimes we're bitten by other people who probably do know of what spirit they are but they feel that they're justified anyway. Sometimes we're bitten by circumstances of life. They seem to conspire against you. But we will be bitten. Just as Jesus said in Luke, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. 
You will be offended at some time. You will feel that sting, that bite in your spirit at some point. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were in Paul's shoes, after everything that had just happened, and here I am, I'm putting my hands to help and to do good, and now I'm looking at a snake stinging me, hanging off my hand. I'm like, all right, that's the last straw. Like, come on, God. Can I not catch a break here? Really? I mean, that would have been the straw that, that broke the camel's back. Paul had just survived two weeks being blown all over the Mediterranean, 14 days without a regular meal, just a pittance to eat. He'd survived jumping into the crushing sea as the boat broke apart beneath him. He'd survived swimming or floating on the flotsam to drag himself cold and wet onto this island. And here it was, this snake hanging off of him. And he'd overcome so much to that point already that he was not going to let a snake bite steal his victory. He shook it off into the fire. Hallelujah. Because if Paul had focused on being bitten, then he would have lost his focus on having been saved. Let me say that again. If Paul had focused on being bitten, he would have lost his focus on being saved. And if we're not careful, we can let the smallest things worm their way into our spirits. Bites and hurts and wounds, true. But they are so small in comparison to what we've been delivered from and what God has brought us through that it, it, it pales in comparison. God forbid that we would let something so small as this, you know, a, a snake of several inches take our focus off of being saved. We cannot let the actions of others, whether ignorant or intentional, minimize the greatness of what God has done in your life. Don't let circumstances over which you have little to no control anyway Determine your destiny. Determine whether you live or die. And I, I'm not in any way minimizing legitimate hurt. Even Paul, I believed, hurt. The, a literal translation of this passage says that he suffered no evil. He wasn't poisoned by the venomous beast. But when you got fangs that dig into your skin, I, I, he felt that sting. He felt the hurt of it. I am talking about, however, how we react to the hurt when it comes. Because unlike a natural poison, we have a choice whether we allow that spiritual poison to harm and to debilitate us to paralyze us, whether it kills us or not. We have that choice. Or we can do as Paul did and shake off the beast into the fire. You will be bitten. And that's the first of the four factors that we're talking about tonight. You will be bitten, but you don't have to be harmed. You don't have to be harmed. The second of our four factors this evening 
People are watching to see how you react. People are watching to see how you react. Their initial reaction may well be that you got what was coming to you. Uh huh. <laughs> they know that you've been hurt and that you've been wounded, and that's on you. Hmm. If you just kept to yourself, Paul, if you hadn't gone around trying to help people, you just let l- live and let live. Oh, but no, you're trying to work for the kingdom, you're trying to share the gospel. You're trying to be a witness. Hmm? Well, then, guess what? You're just going to get bit. Friends and family, coworkers, classmates, they have their, their own assumptions based on past experience and prior observations of others who were bitten and poisoned. Because they've, they've seen how other people have reacted when they've got bitten. They've seen others swell up and become ill with anger or grief or bitterness as this venom worked its way into and through their system. They've seen people leave God, leave the church embittered, poisoned, and eventually shrivel up and their spirits drop dead from far less severe bites. And so now they watch you when you've been bitten. They watch you to see how you're going to react. I charge you tonight, saints of Newark UPC, prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. Change their minds. Show them God. Show them God by how you react. Don't stop coming to church when you've been bit. Don't stop working for God when you've been bit. Don't don't take all your marbles and go home. We're not grade schoolers here, right? We're prayer warriors. We're soul winners. We're gospel preachers, Bible study teachers, children's ministers, leaders. People are watching. And a reaction, our reaction, no matter how much we experience the hurt, it's never just about us because people are watching to see how we react by that offense, by that hurt, by that bite in our lives. Number three, number three of the four factors of being bitten is that you've got to have a fire into which you shake off the viper. You've already got to have a fire kindled in your spirit, in your soul. Hallelujah. And when it's already burning, then you can shake it off. Hallelujah. See, the problem arises. The problem arises when we're not prepared. Jesus said offenses are going to come. We're going to get bitten. We're going to suffer that hurt. It doesn't have to be harm, but we're going to suffer that hurt and that wound. The problem arises when we're not prepared and the fire is not already burning. See, in that moment, when this, this venomous beast leapt out of the, the, the wood that Paul was trying to gather and latched onto his hand, he didn't have time. If he was just on the beach and there was no fire, there was no wood, and all of a sudden there's a snake on my hand. 
All of a sudden, now, okay, I got to gather up some wood over here. And, oh, who's got some kindling? Oh, I know it's raining. It's like, oh, okay, what are we going to do? And we're like <laughs> trying to build a fire to get enough heat to then shake off the fire. It would have been too late then. Paul already had the fire going and kindling and burning in order to, to then shake off the beast into the fire. He didn't have to run around grabbing wood or asking for flint to try to start a fire once the viper was on his hands. And anybody who has ever tried to start a fire know it's, knows it's far easier to keep a fire burning than it is to start one from scratch, right? We have to have the Holy Ghost, the fire of the Holy Ghost, already kindled and a flame in our life. Oh, the Holy Ghost burning brightly. And we've got to have it already stoked with time in prayer, devotion to the Word, feeding our relationship with God. Hallelujah. Feeding, feeling as Jeremiah did, that, that fire shut up in his bones, that it's just got to get out of us. We've just got to share it. Fire is one of those things that Proverbs says is never satisfied. Fire saith not, it is enough, because it's always looking to consume. And so it should be with the Holy Ghost fire in our lives. It desires to consume everything that's not of God. That fire should be purging us of ourselves so that we can be more and more like God. I must decrease. He must increase. Hallelujah. And so it should be with the Holy Ghost fire in our lives. There's no ceiling, there's no limit if we allow it to continue to burn in our spirits. The Holy Ghost fire burning hot and high in our hearts affects everything then. When we're not just living in the Spirit, but we're walking in the Spirit day by day by day. When we're crucifying that flesh and walking, living in the Spirit, then that, that fire of the Holy Ghost affects everything in our lives. Every decision that we make, every relationship that we have, every trial that we go through, every victory that, that we come out on the other side of. Because we can try in our own might some sort of mental ascent or the power of positive thinking. You can go to a Tony Robbins seminar if you want. All right? You can try in your, to shake off whatever spirit or attitude or, or wounding or offense that has latched onto us, but it's not going to be enough without the Holy Ghost fire to get it to release. And I, I'm pretty sure that this is not where Taylor Swift got the song Shake It Off, all right? I'm pretty sure she wasn't reading Acts chapter 28 and was inspired by that. But we're not talking about just, it's just a, some sort of condescending attitude. These little things are, my, my daughter's favorite word these days is, I'm triggered. I'm triggered, you know. Oh, that, that just triggered me. I'm not talking about that sort of stuff, right? And I'm, not, I'm not talking about those trolling you on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. We shouldn't really take those sort of things to heart anyway. And we should not, even, even if we do note them, we should not see them or look down them from some self-righteous high horse that then makes our actions in response just as bad as theirs. 
You see, there is no substitute for the work of the Holy Ghost. As much good as God flowing through us can do, as much as I want to purpose in my will, it's not enough. Read Romans chapter 7. It wasn't enough for the, the Apostle Paul. It's certainly not enough for any one of us. There is no substitute for the work of the Holy Ghost. In my flesh, with all my effort, no matter how educated I am or might become, I cannot fabricate and replicate the heat of the Holy Ghost required to dislodge a beast that has bitten me. And just as it wasn't Samson's shaking that brought him his great strength, but it was the Spirit of the Lord that came upon him. So it wasn't Paul's shaking alone that dislodged the serpent. He could have tried himself all day and all night. That, that viper was not letting go. They've got these, these fangs that go backwards into their, and it, they don't, they cannot be let go unless they release themselves. And so Paul could have shaken all through the night. It wasn't going to happen. But when the viper felt the heat of the fire, when that it felt on the its tippy end, end of its tippy tail there, that consuming flame starting to lick up and burn him, that it just had to let go in that time, in that moment. And the fire and passion of the Holy Ghost, burning bright and hot, is no match for any venomous beast, any spirit that would seek to, unclean spirit that would seek to attach itself. If we keep the Holy Ghost fire high and hot in our lives, it will consume every carnal and even evil spirit that will try to poison you. You cannot afford, we cannot afford to let the Holy Ghost fire smolder and die. We can't allow it to just burn down to just a few coals. And, well, it's still there. We'll call it a fire. We need to keep it roaring. We need to keep because there are going to be times where you will be bitten. And people are watching you. And you need that fire high and hot in your life to shake that beast off so that you will not be poisoned by it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And the fourth, the fourth factor this evening. Number four, how you handle the wound will open or close doors. How you handle the wound will open or close doors. When Paul doesn't drop dead, he doesn't swell up. He doesn't appear to have any sort of ill effects. He's not sick or nauseous or anything those that were watching him began singing a different song. All right? Now they think he's a god. How the weather changes quickly, huh? Yeah. The same folks who were maligning Paul and talking behind his back were now esteeming, even venerating him. The same people that were, were saying, well, talking amongst themselves, oh, well, they got what they were coming. Oh, all right. You, you don't have to engage them. Paul didn't engage them. He simply didn't react as they expected. He, didn't, he shook off the beast in the fire. He did not allow that poison to affect him because of that. And all of a sudden, wow, 
I've never seen it like this. They had seen people die before, but this was new. He didn't have to fight them on their own terms, right? Like that old saying, you know, you don't, don't wrestle a pig because you'll get dirty and the pig likes it. You don't have to get down on that level. It is always more effective if people change their minds for themselves. Even if you're right. And Paul was right. If you try to engage and try to win an argument, you may win the argument, you won't win them. I, I, shared, um, I shared a Bible study once in, um, in someone's home, and uh, friends of ours, their family, very strong Catholic background, and, but they were coming uh, to, to church regularly, and my pastor growing up always said, you know, Catholics make the best Pentecostals, you know. And so we were working with them, and we got to Jesus' name baptism. And I laid it all out, and, I mean, it's one of the easiest things to prove in Scripture, quite frankly. I mean, the book of Acts 2, 8, 10, 19, I mean, it, it's there. It's plain. And she looked at me and said, well, I see it but I don't believe it. Well, there was nothing more I could do. She just could not accept that in her life or her parents' life because of she could not accept that they were not following in truth. And I could have pressed the issue at that point, but I just had to, to wait and let God be God in, in her life. If people change their minds for themselves, the things will be always more effective. You don't need to launch some holy crusade, right? We, we need to learn from history because those never went well. Your actions and reactions will speak louder than anything that you could say anyway. They're watching you. And how you handle that wound will now open or close doors in your life. Because in verse 7, it says that, I don't know how word came about to Publius, the chief man of the island. And I don't know where everybody else that made their way to land that night stayed, but Paul and his company were hanging out dry and warm in the best place on the island. I mean, they were at the Ritz, all right? Paul then heals his father, and then everybody else hears. It's like the domino effect, right? When Paul did not have to go out to seeming to somehow try to defend himself, he simply shook it off into the fire and did not let that poison into his, into his body or into our spirits. When we don't allow that poison into our spirits, God will open doors that will have a domino effect. From one to the next to the healing of his father, the healing of all of those all over the island. And if you shake off the beast, 
that seeks to poison you. Shake off the attack. Shake off the offense. Shake off that unclean spirit. When, despite being in the right, despite the fact that you, you were hurt, you were wounded, you will have opportunities to minister to others that you would not otherwise have had. God will make sure that doors are open that would have otherwise remained closed. If you stand with me tonight, hallelujah, hallelujah. Four factors of being bitten. Perhaps some of you tonight have, have already at some point, most likely, been bitten. You've been hurt and wounded in your spirit. Perhaps you handled it well at that time. Perhaps you didn't. Chances are, though, that given enough time that we will be bitten once again. And we will have an opportunity to follow Paul's example here. Because the four factors are that you will be bitten. People are watching to see how you react. You've got to have that fire. It's not simply a matter of... I. <laughs> You'd think that every psychologist or psychiatrist would have their life in order, wouldn't you? Well, they should know better. They've, they've gone to school. They've got, they counsel everybody else. This is not true. Because you've got to have the Holy Ghost fire to do what you cannot do, what nothing else in this world can do, to be able to shake off that viper into the fire. And when you do, trust God will open doors to be able to be a witness and to minister. What began with a viper fastened on his hand ended with Paul. Not just Paul, however, all of those who were with him that were part of his company being honored with many honors. And they were provided with the resources necessary to continue their journey. I mean, they just lost everything on the boat, and God gave it all back to them, everything that they needed to keep on going. When you do what is right, leave the rest of it to God. The provisions, the resources, the money, not a problem for God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Shake it off into the fire and allow God to provide for you and to promote you. If you feel, perhaps even in your spirit tonight, that you've got a viper attached to you, or perhaps you've begun to feel its effects, its venom in your spirit, you need to pray. You need to be in prayer with God. You need to pray in the spirit. You need to allow the Holy Ghost, the heat and, and fire of the Holy Ghost, to burn that off, to purge it from your spirit. Don't let that bitterness seep into your heart. God forbid, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel to, to take a time and to pray here tonight. If you feel to come to the altar, I invite you to do so. If you'd like to pray in your, your seats, I invite you to do so. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. I thank you, God, for the Holy Ghost fire. 
I pray, God, that we do our, our diligence to be faithful before you each and every day. God, in prayer and in devotion, Lord, that we, we stoke the Holy Ghost fire. Paul wasn't expecting to be bitten, Lord. God, and these things happen in our lives when we least expect it, when we're doing right, when we're working for the kingdom, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, and it's at those times we know because we have spent the time in prayer, we've, per, we've prioritized devotion and time in your word, that that Holy Ghost fire, God, oh, we're not letting it run out. God, we're not letting it die down. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, but it provides us the very means by which we can shake off these wounds, these hurts, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we know they will come, but you have provided us the means by which we can shake them off, Lord. Hallelujah so that we, we, we may be hurt, Lord. God, but we will not be harmed. God, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, and for those, Lord Jesus, who shake it off, I pray, God, that you go before them. God, open doors, God, where they would have remained closed. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you would honor them. Lord, promote them, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, and we hold you to your word, God. Just as you did it for Paul, you can do it for us, God. God, just as you did it, Lord, in the book of Acts, God, you can do it here today, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, and we refuse, Lord, to be poisoned by the spirits of this world, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, God, we purpose, Lord, hallelujah. We commit, God, to shake it off, God. We're not going to let these things cling to us, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, God, oh, God, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 